What's going on, Knicks fans? It's Alex Chateris here, as usual, for the Knicks episode of the Knicks, Jets, etc. podcast. And let me give you a little rundown of what we're going to talk about today. First, we're going to discuss, just for a little bit, Tom Thibodeau's coaching staff that fully got rounded out this past weekend. Then we're going to go into this hot topic that's buzzing on Twitter on whether or not the Knicks or the Mavs won the KP trade. And then we got to discuss this stargazing for the Knicks nation, just whether it's Donovan Mitchell or Victor Oladipo. So we got to touch on that. And then, John, what do we got for et cetera today? What's up, Alex? For et cetera today, we got NBA playoff bubble talk and why the Yankees are hurting my soul, man. Mm. Well, this should be a good one. All right, Ricey, let's get it going. What's going on, everyone? This is the Knicks, Jets, etc. podcast, and I am your host, Alex Chateris. And with me, as usual, is my beautiful co-host, John Malika. John, what's going on this evening? What's up, man? Not much. Just stressed out about the Yankees. We got some crazy uh, playoff bubble games going on right now. So I'm just hanging out, ready to talk some Knicks. How's your day? Uh, my day is going pretty well. Busy day in the office, but, you know, everything's better once you put these NBA bubble games on right now. Got the heat and the bucks on in the background and i see that the heat are up 105 to 95 with about seven minutes left in the fourth so this should be very interesting you know i can't wait to talk about this later because the bubble was really 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 turned up and the nuggets and uh and the utah game was just that was just like the piece of the resistance for like nba playoffs but let's get into the topics of today let's let's hit it straightforward for Knicks nation all right um so this past weekend, we got the news that Tom Thibodeau's coaching staff is now fully rounded out. So let me just run down the guys of who we got. We got the head coach, Tibbies, Tib, Tibby, whoever you want to call him. Uh, Kenny Payne from Kentucky. Uh, then we got Johnny Bryant from Utah. We got Woody back in the house. Mike Woodson, Mr. Potato Head. My boy, Mr. Potato Head. He's back in action, back on the MSG sidelines. And then we also got... Andy Gregg, Andy Gregg, who is a longtime Thibodeau assistant. And we also got Dasuki Yashimoto, who is uh, a film coach for the team. So we got Thibodeau staff. The last two guys between Andy and uh, Yashimoto, those, are, those, those guys have been with Tibbs for such a long time. Uh, not surprised. We, we, I think we were going to know that Tibbs had some imprint on this coaching staff. But the top three, Kenny Payne, Johnny Bryant, Mike Woodson. I don't know if those are necessarily his guys, but great additions for uh, his coaching staff. John, do you have any uh, initial reactions or, or feelings about this coaching staff so far? Well, I guess uh, I guess just a good roundabout uh, staff for Tibbs. Um, I'm, just, I'm excited. He's got some of his guys, like you said. He's got some uh, coaches that are respected around the college recruits and the um, – and the current players like Kenny Payne, we have Johnny Bryant, who current players love. We have Mike Woodson, who is loved by, I'm sure, the Knicks front office. I mean, like you know, the ownership, uh, the Knicks fans, of course. And if, and he's always good with the players, as he, as you remember, he took care of like Kenyon, Martin, Rasheed Wallace, Jason Kidd, Mello, all in the same squad. Pablo, it was a, it was a crazy team. Yep. Um, 
Yeah, totally. And I'm, I'm there with you as well. Uh, I'm happy about, you know, or not, I guess, I, I don't know if I'm necessarily happy, but it's a good coaching staff. And yeah, we're cool with it. Cool with it. You know, it looks good on paper. Obviously, we got to see how this transpires once the season comes along, whenever that's going to be. Um, all we know is that we got mini training camp on September 21st. So, you know, Tibbs is going to be in action, ready to get the guys going. Uh, I'm so curious to see how that's going to work out in all honesty for a mini training camp because you, you got guys like Bobby Portis and so forth who have to make a decision by October. Um, that's just that that's just like interesting to me. I don't know what's going to happen with that. But, I mean, what I mean, what is a mini training training camp? Like, do you, what is that? I have no. That is. I have no idea. I guess it's just like kind of like OTAs or whatever, like for the NFL. And that's what I'm guessing. But OTAs this year run by Tibbs. I I'm praying for those players. Uh, I mean, I tweeted out today with the, the Omar gift from uh, the wire where it's like, Omar's coming. Omar's coming. And you just like, everyone's just like scattering, but I like the staff. Like I said, on paper, you got Tibbs, who's an X's and O's guy. He's, you know, in that stratosphere of like Bill Belichickian type of mentality where it's just like work, 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 work. Let me study the film. Let me look at how we can get things ready for every single game. And then Kenny Payne, Johnny Bryant, we're talking about two well-known development guys, very good with relationships. You heard from what Coach Cal, uh, Coach Cal said at uh, Kentucky that, you know, that was pretty much like uh, the good cop, like to his bad cop, his right-hand man, made sure all the guys were in shape, helped develop a lot of those guys, whether it's, you know, we're, we're talking about Anthony Davis, Carl Anthony Towns, uh, especially the bigs. He's very, he's a big whisperer. That's what we're getting with him. And with Johnny Bryant, that seems like our guard whisperer because look what he did with, uh, you know, Dame Dalla, Damian Lillard for people who don't know the nickname and for uh, Donovan Mitchell. So you see that Bryant has been successful and he's able to connect. You saw Mitchell was upset when, uh, when Johnny Bryant was coming to the Knicks. Um, and then Mike Woodson, like you said, we had him before. Most wins with the Knicks, uh, most recently, 50, uh, 54 wins. Um, I wrote about him a while back for Hoops Habit. You know, he's, I think he's going to be low-key good for the offense um, just because most of his teams have not been out of, like, the top 10, like, offensive rating. So that's, that's, that's good for us considering we were just bad. And then Andy Gregg Andy Greg and um, – is that his name? Or did, oh, is that his name? I'm not sure if uh, autocorrect actually messed this up for me. I think it's Andy Gregg and Yoshimoto. Those are just like long-term, long-term guys. And I don't know too much about them, but like I said earlier, Tibbs has to have somebody on his main, uh, uh, like on this roster that he knows. But overall, seems like a solid staff. I'm ready for it. Uh, seems to be really good. Like, the, like good in the sense that like there's a lot of thought and like who we wanted to bring on to – this uh this new administration and to develop this team and get them off on the right foot because we still are a rebuilding team and it feels like we've been rebuilding for like two decades now um so it's good that i got nothing but like like cautious optimism for this coaching staff which is so i guess kudos to dolan uh for getting tibbs down and letting him do his thing and you know, well done to Tibbs and everything looks fine right now when we're sitting here, you know, in September before the camp. And I guess that's all you could ask for. Um, generally, no one would really be happy or shocked. But as Knicks fans, 
uh, it is shocking to have a competent, at least on paper, staff. So we're we're just excited about it, and we're confident, at least at the at at the. We feel like we're at least at the fin- at the starting line with everyone else, which it really hasn't felt like that for the last decade or so. For sure, and I'm pretty sure I saw a report now that a lot of coaches have gotten fired. You have um, who's I forget the Pacers' uh, head coach name, but he's been fired. A lot of people have been fired during the bubble, and Tibbs was a known option and commodity that people were ready to who sought after. So Knicks were ahead of the game, got a good coach in the building. Um, you know, good job on Leon Rose for doing his due diligence, having his guy that he knew he wanted in his corner. But you know, oh, Chicago Bolts—that's the—that's the other one. And the key part for me right now is that you know, just slightly touching on the Kenny Atkinson uh, hive out there that really wanted for the Knicks. If you know, we got two prime positions for him right now. We got the Pacers and we got the Bolts. Um, why hasn't he been hired yet? I'm not putting any shade to Kenny Atkinson. I'm not saying he's a bad coach, but all I'm going to say is that everything with with moderate and like reasonable expectation for like what he did, he brought a, a Nets team from nothing to like a 500 team, had a good defense with this team. Uh, the recent team, I'm pretty sure they were top, top eight. Uh, he's a good coach. Uh, I'm just curious as to why he doesn't have a job if like – everyone who is like in the Knicks Twitter sphere or Knicks world, just like harping for him for this because bulls are like the prime example for a rebuilding team that could use him. I expect him to get a job, but it's just interesting that with so many coaching candidate positions open that nothing has happened yet. Yeah. I guess, I guess it goes back to the whole, we just don't, we just don't know what it's like to have a good coach as Knicks fans. Um, at least in the recent memory. And so when you see a crosstown rival like Atkinson doing so well with seemingly so little and honestly developing them, you know, like Dinwiddie and Lavert and Jared Allen, like, you know, Joe Harris, like players who are seemingly coming out of nowhere. Um, so I guess like we, we just, we're just jealous, honestly, um, at the end of the day. And so we kind of um, we're wishing that, hoping that success could like somehow follow Atkinson and come to the Knicks. I just don't think that type of pedigree would work in the garden. It's different. It's different. It's close in proximity. Barclays in Madison square garden, but it's, it's a whole different ball game and organizations just run totally different. But on that note, do you think Mike Miller uh, is going to be in a good spot too? Cause that's a guy who who's also, you know, we talked about for a while and he really did the Knicks he did the Knicks well, man, with the Westchester Knicks who won the chip with them, came, he sat on the Knicks bench and became the interim and did okay. Um, and now he's gone. He would give him an interview though for the head coach. So at least that's something. Um, now he's gone. I really hope he ends up on the staff somewhere with at least uh, a path to the top. For sure. And so just to clarify the positions that the positions that are open, uh, Pacers, Nate McNeil, Nick McMillan, who they actually offered him an extension and then fired him, which was really weird. Uh, 76ers, Brett Brown, Chicago Bulls, Jim Boylan. Um, those coaching positions are open. Three, you know, there are high-profile teams, two that were in playoffs, one that's in a prime position with the new front office, has some nice young talent with the Chicago Bulls. Um, 
two in our division. I also I think I think Atkinson would be great in Indiana. You throw that out there, but I mean that was just recent. They just got out of the playoffs. But honestly, Atkinson in Indiana is not a bad move. It wouldn't be a bad move. But to get back to your Mike Miller conversation, um, it's most likely not ending on the Knicks because you know I think the coaching staff is now full with five. With five. Uh, hmm. Also, you know he was the head the interim head coach so he'd be bumped down to like last on the bench which is that's a demotion man that's a big demotion so he's probably not coming back um yeah i agree did a good job with the westchester knicks he actually only got them to he didn't win the chip with them he only got them to second place but he made it to the chip i think it was two years in a row which is still commendable for like a a team they're you know just development overall um organization we've been staring at you know and our developmental team is doing well that's surprising right that's that's isn't that the the joke of it the developmental team is doing well making championship runs and yeah now it's not going there but i think he should get the opportunity to be on a coaching staff he's got the endorsement of jeff van gundy solid brain basketball lifer i see him ending i see him going to another uh coaching position like being another assistant coach, um, maybe he maybe he ends up with uh, Kenny Atkinson, and you know, it'd be a great pairing, honestly. It would be good. I mean, good learning, good development. I yeah. mean, Miller, they're both they would both work very well t- together, and probably like a team like Indiana, where like you have low stakes with you don't really have uh, big player personalities like a Kevin Durant or a Kyrie Irving. You know, you got to work with like a Victor Oladipo. Uh, a Sabonis, uh, Malcolm Brogdon. Mm-hmm. Those are guys that Kenny Atkinson could work with. He showed that he could work with like a D'Angelo Russell, Spencer Dinwiddie, guys who are like kind of castaways. And that team was essentially mostly castaways. So for the paces that I'm talking about, um, so yeah. I can kind of working. But enough to talk about other teams. This is a Knicks podcast, but what, what, what is it, John? Oh, we're talking about other teams. I'll just throw it out there uh, with the Crosstown Nets. Yeah. Um, I do think – do you have a hot take over who they're, who they're going to hire for their head coach? Not going to be Pop. Don't you even dare throw that at me. Oh, man, Pop is coming, dude. He's going to come to the Nets. Stop. Like, I, why, do people, why do people believe Pop is coming to the Nets? Why? Tenure with the Spurs has run its course, right? They have the assistant coaches there. And honestly, the Spurs are going to rebuild. Pop is not – it's over. He's not he's – not, he's done with the rebuild. And he honestly – if there's one coach in the NBA that deserves to almost have um, – almost pull a KD and, like, go to a good team, you know what I'm saying, like, join up, it would be Pop, who has proven time and time again that he could take – you know, that he has a system and all the, you know, things. And he doesn't need superstars and he can do it and he has all the rings and he has the confidence and he has the pedigree. Like, he can come in and he can – uh, he won't get that slack for like joining a team. And he also not one person would question him about, Oh, you can be able to handle this team. And when people come at Kyrie and KD, which they will do no matter what happens, whether they do amazing or bad pop is going to just stare at them. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like if they're going to ask him a question, like in the press conference, he's going to look at them with his eyes and they'll never going to ask him another, you know, disrespectful or weird question like that. Again, I think, that's going to be huge in the New York media. So I'll just throw that out there. Like, I, I just while we're talking about coaches, uh, I really do think Pop is coming, and it's going to be a nightmare for us. But I, I, I just want to sort of prep 
Because <laughs> they're, they're in our division, right? Like, the Nets are in our division. You're prepping Knicks Nation for this? It's going to happen, man. It's gonna, I'm prepping you and me, honestly. But, yeah, like, it, it's going to happen, dude. I really think so. I'll say this. I would not be surprised. I don't, like, nothing surprises me in the NBA because, like, crazier things have happened in the NBA where it just, like, nothing can really, like, it's an instant, like, oh, my God, this is happening. But it's, like, nothing really is going to catch me off guard or just, like, at this point, like I didn't think Paul George was going to go to the Clippers. I didn't think Kawhi was going to be traded to the Raptors and win a chip there. I didn't think Kevin Durant was really going to sign with the Warriors initially either. So, okay, yeah. cool, cool. I was just throwing that out there. I was just wondering if you had a thought uh, about who's going to go to the Nets. I, this is my thought on the pop thing, right? And you make a good point that his personality would actually shield Kyrie and uh, Katie because no one likes ask him questions and he'd be going from gray black and white to now just black and white so but <laughs> change his wardrobe um also he actually he has coached them i think he had has he coached them he had yeah. yeah team usa i believe he coached him for team usa so it seems it seems too perfect man it really does it seems so I, perfect i just don't get hyped on the selling the house thing like he tried to sell it before. I mean, when these guys have big, big ass houses, like it's hard to sell, but you know, his wife passed away. I wouldn't want to live in a mansion where, you know, my spouse is like, they're no longer, that'd be, that's just, that's too, it's too haunting, but who knows, you know, if he does, uh, you know what, if he does, he does. I have no real like feelings about it. We're still a rebuilding team. We're so far out from like anything happening. And if he does, it's, what is it? A three-year window with the with the Nets. So uh, whatever. I, I'm actually done with this Nets talk right now. So that that that's that's it for this to- this topic. Thanks for bringing it up. <laughs> yeah, I know you love talking Nets. Oh uh, yeah, sure. All right, but John, there's been a bigger topic going around Twitter with regards to the Knicks or the Mavericks winning the KP trade. So that always happens, man. Anytime, well, almost every single postseason, there's there's players who were former Knicks or uh, who are doing well, and as soon as they're doing well, we just automatically uh, get talked about. And I mean, usually they're awful on our team and great on the other team. So for the most part, we deserve it. But what really bothers me about KP is every time he's fully healthy and he's he's rested he he does he does fantastic man he does like in game 1 you no know, he 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 beasts and everyone comes at the Knicks wow i can't believe you guys traded Trey Burke who had an amazing game too Tim Hardaway who was doing well even though with this awful contract right that was also our fault right i admit it you know but we got rid of him and then it comes right back at us oh how can the Knicks do that we're not in the playoffs the only thing is once it turns back around, like once those players start doing bad or KP's injuries come up, it's just total silence. And if we bring it up, we're like shame or like shaming KP for his injuries or we're like being some sort of sore losers. And I honestly just, I just, I like, res- I just resent that honestly. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you. And it's, it gets annoying where we have, you know, anyone, I guess for like the daily news, just like tweeting out or writing out saying like, Hey, 
Christos Porzingis is doing well and just like just stirring the pot just to get a lot of action. And like, this is the issue though that we had with KP and we're seeing it in the playoffs. He's injury prone. He wanted a max. Um, That's a tough thing for a team to push their chips on, regardless of how young he is, regardless if he had whatever. Like, yes, he had the rookie contract that he has to play out right um like you you could have been like hey well he has to play that he has to fulfill that contract and you just make him play no like you don't always do that like team chemistry in a locker room is very important like you don't keep someone who's toxic who's just going to be you know a disruptor we talked about this you know for our first episode of the jets segment with you know the player formerly known as jamal adams for the jets uh and people were just getting tired of it because it's a me, me, me like mentality. And then you got to show up the next day and it's like, what's going on here? Like, I thought, like, why can't we focus? Why is it about you? I thought it was about the team. I thought you want to be here. I thought you wanted to do all these things. And that applies to KP, right? But getting back to the whole injury prone thing, like you can't push your chips in on a dude who's injury prone, who missed most of the season, wasn't even going to come back in 2018 and then tell me you're going to give him a contract extension. And then we're seeing it now that he's not even ready for the playoffs. He always has like good couple of games. Um, then he gets hurt, a couple bad games, whatever. Like he goes off. He There's so many things that are flawed with KP. Like he's not even good as a post-up player for a 7-3 dude. Like that's ridiculous. With a guy who's 7-3, like I know like he, he's, he's, he, ha- he doesn't have like the built to be like – so to body people down on the post, but still like you don't have like a turnaround or like even some post moves to get around to be like more finesse. Like you're supposed to be this unicorn and yes, he is to an extent because he can shoot. He's very mobile for his height. He's able to run the court. He's able to drive, take guys off the dribble. You know, he can shoot over people because of his height and he has a beautiful stroke, but it can't just be for a few games. And then be bad, come back, play a couple good few games, and then be injured and not be there the season where it matters. That's just ridiculous. Um, you know. Yeah, I mean, what worries me, like, if he couldn't do it this year with the half a year off, you know what I mean, in between the season, then what? Yeah, and he tore his meniscus, and it's knee problems. And, you know, with the, he has had so many injuries since he came into the league. It's it's concerning whether or not he'll actually make it. You know it, and for the Knicks, they kind of, they may have gotten off. We won't know the full like value of the trade until it's over. It's said and done. We used all the draft picks, or we traded a draft pick to get a player, and so forth. We won't really know how it transpires, right? But just looking, if we're looking at yeah, let's talk numbers, man. Let's talk numbers, dude. You know, like let's. You know, we, we could do at least to where we are right now, right? So in uh, 2019 to 2020, he finished the rest of the season. He, he signed that extension, the five-year extension, right? $27 million, did not play. They shut him down, right? Now we're in 2021. He played a little bit, and then they had the half a year off, okay? And then he, as you mentioned, tore his meniscus, and it's a possible off-season surgery. So he didn't get to finish the 2020. 2020 to 2021 season that's 29 million there's three seasons left on that there's next year which are 31 and a half million 
And then the year after that is 33.8. And then he has a player option for 36 mil. So there's three years left. Like right now, if KP is a free agent, is somebody signing him for that money? No, absolutely not. Okay, so I know like that I know that's crazy, but it's it's almost as if it's almost as if then is an addition by subtract by subtraction because even if so let's say because I agree with you, we're never gonna we're not gonna know the full value of this trade until Dennis Smith Jr. develops, until the draft picks are picked and then developed, right? Like for example, we have the twenty seventh pick this year because we were able to make space, which we got Marcus Morris for. And then we were able to trade Marcus Morris at the deadline. We got that Clippers pick. So that 27th pick this year from the Clippers and the second round pick from Detroit next year wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for this KP trade and Marcus Morris. So yes, I agree with you. There are a lot of moving pieces that we still need at least four or five years to figure out. Sure. Yeah. So like, but, and just to touch on that Marcus Morris trade piece, like we, even if we had KP, we theoretically still could have signed him. Um, the question is, would we have signed him and brought him on if we still had him on this team? That's like a big question mark that we can't really answer. We don't know how uh, Mills and Perry was, were going to construct this team with it, but regardless, we we did it. Yeah, but I'm saying, I'm saying, uh, I guess the point I was trying to make was like, imagine that we kept them, right? Like, forget all this stuff. I agree, we're gonna we're gonna know the answer later. But imagine we kept all this stuff and we and we signed the contract, okay, with KP. Like, we did our thing. We we re-signed him. We did the you know the rookie max. Like, we'd be stuck right now, staring, you know, just like as we are sitting right here, not in the playoff bubble because he's injured, right? Like, he's not his luck is not gonna change. And then we'd be staring at this contract you know, with our same draft pick and basically in our same position right now, minus assets. So I guess that's why I feel like we won and it has nothing to do with the future at this point. It just has to do with literally now 2020. Like we would, we would have, a, we, there's no way we'd be talking. I know we're about to get into it, but like, as you said, stargazing, we wouldn't be star nothing. We'd be just staring at our, our at Joachim Noah's contract, which is still on the books. We'd be staring at KP's IR contract. That's it. That's what we'd be doing. Yeah, no, I, I don't disagree. I mean, there's still more to his career to come, but if we're looking at the numbers right, let's look at how many games KP's played. Since 2015, first season he played 72 games with the Knicks. Not bad. Next season he played 65. Not too bad, but okay. Following season, the season he got hurt, played 48 games. Then, this is the entire season because he tours ACL. This season, played 57. Didn't didn't he played one game in the postseason, right? I think he played one game. Um, not great for a guy that you that you want as like your number two option as your cornerstone, and it wouldn't be. I mean, I could say like the numbers are decreasing, but it not may not necessarily be fair to say that. But let's also look at the injuries that KP has already had since 2015. And shout out to Kevin O'Connor of uh, the NBA Ringer, NBA analyst who tweeted this the other day um since 2015 this is what he says since 2015 kp has suffered the following injuries to his right leg sore hip sprained ankle sore foot and inflammation to the bone and tendon of his knee the injury list is even longer on his left leg which had the torn acl so and now we're talking about a torn meniscus and this is all lower body injuries and he's a seven three big man with lower 
leg injuries. It just screams like it just screams issues. Like it doesn't scream. Let me, let me pay this dude and let's see what we get and hope that he's there. It just doesn't, it's, we, we would, like, as you said, we would assign this guy and most likely, or probably, I won't say most likely, who knows? I, I don't know what the rest of his future is, but there's the outlook that it, he could have just been the same thing every year, injured, 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 injured. You know, you're going to lose him. Like Kyrie was with the Cavs. Like you just knew Kyrie was going to get injured and you just hope that he's there for the postseason. Um, and so, I mean, yeah, so to be clear, we're not rejoicing in his injuries, but we rejoice in the fact that he's not on our roster and that we could potentially now, you know, do some crazy things and at least have hopes of getting players uh, that could make a difference on our team and, and not just hang out in our training room. Absolutely. But here's, here's, the, here's where I have an issue with the KP trade. And, you know, we traded him to the Mavs in a second, like, it seemed like that was already, there was already a plan. You know, we had that, uh, that piece that came out, I think by the players tribune about uh, Tim Hardaway senior saying that Tim Hardaway junior was on the block from the Knicks to the Mavs. And that's all who the Mavs were inquiring about, you know, this is, this is truly what Tim Hardaway junior saying. We don't know that for a fact because no one else is out there saying yes or no, that the Knicks were just, you know, it was strictly Tim Hardaway junior that the Mavs were inquiring about. And it seemed like we just threw KP in that deal for the sake of just throwing in there to clear the books, clear Hardaway the books, to create two open max slots to get potentially Kevin Durant and whoever Kevin Durant wanted to pair up with. Um, obviously that didn't happen. But my thing is, is that what other trades were out there? I feel like the assets that we got in return was not enough. It was just not enough. I feel like we could have gotten more. You know, we got something. You can argue that, you know, at least we got something. But at the time, like you had the Spurs, you had all these other teams, maybe even the Celtics, who were ready to 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 give the haul to get this kid. We heard the Celtics were inquiring about KP all the time. We had Phil Jackson, who's ready to trade him to the Suns and get D book. I, I like, and we all thought Phil Jackson was crazy then, and he he saw something that we didn't. And this is where like, it's just like, it's, it's easy. Hindsight is always 2020. And that's the biggest issue with it is that what could have we gotten in return? Everything just happened within a second. It was like bad exit meeting. KP doesn't want to be here. Mavs that, that all happened within an hour. Like, yeah, that's what it felt like for sure. And, and it's just insane. That's, that's like really what like bothers me about the entire situation. Um, we'll see. At least we got some assets. You know, hopefully, you know, we'll see who won. And I put this in quotes, who won this trade. You know, at the end of the day, it, it, no, no one seems to be the clear victor in, in my eyes, at least, because KP didn't help the Mavs go further into the playoffs. It was Luka putting on a show. And we have now two first round picks this year and we got two first round picks next year. And we have, I think four second round picks next year. We have two second round picks next year. So we got four picks next year and we got one and we got. No, some are swaps. Some are swaps. No, no, I know. No, I know the Clippers pick is a swap. Is it, are there others too? I know we have the next year's uh, Detroit because of Marcus Morris. And I think we also got the, the, the Hornet, the Hornets pick too. Right. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. 
But I think it's a swap. I don't know if we, I don't know. I think there's some swap. Weird. The Clippers pick is a swap. The Clippers first round pick with us is a swap. So we got four picks next year, which I could say this, like, hey, and, and you know, we're going to move off this topic going into the next one, which is stargazing. Um, at least, you know, the, 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 at least we don't have any crazy long-term contracts and we got draft capital, which is the complete opposite of what we used to do. So I'll take that. Just Noah, just Joakim Noah, which we love to have one guy who doesn't play just to have a nice fat contract on our books. We love that. Playoffs with the Clippers, right? So congratulations. Yeah. Congratulations to us. We, we came out on top somehow. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so let's talk about these rumors of stargazing. Uh, let's first touch on the Victor Oladipo uh, rumors right now. Um, Jonathan Macri of Nick's Film School. Shout out to him. Uh, he, you know, kind of broke news saying that there's a possibility that the Knicks could be in position to trade for Oladipo. So, John, what do you think about that? What do you think about trading for Victor Oladipo? Honestly, man, at, at this point, uh, trading for a shooting guard just seems silly. I don't want to trade for a shooting guard. Like, no Donovan Mitchell, no Victor Oladipo, no DeMar DeRozan. Like, we, we – honestly, like, that's R.J. Barrett. Like, he's fine. We ha- like, we could find a shooting guard, no problem. Like, we have to focus on a point guard. Like, if we're going to really trade assets, it has to be for a point guard. So, I don't really – if a superstar honestly wants to come to the Knicks, let, let them come in free agency and not ruin the team because – We've only just recently recovered from the mellow trade, like just a couple of years ago, honestly, like asset wise. And I think even Mello would agree that he just wishes he just waited a little bit and came after. Um, so I honestly, like you missed me with the Victor Oladipo trade talk, Zach Levine trade talk. We had a couple a couple episodes ago. Like I'm just out on all those guys. There Donovan Mitchell uh, reports that he's going to sign. So he's out of the, you know, of the Rodney, which is good. Um, there's no reason to talk about Devin Booker because he's, you know, has a huge contract stay for a while. So I'm glad, I'm just glad all those like shooting guards are just like not on our trade asset radar because a, a Nick thing would just be like, Oh, Hey, here's a couple first round picks. Uh, give us Victor Oladipo or we'll call it a day. Like that. Yeah, I mean, for Victor Oladipo, it might, it may be, uh, a couple pick, a couple first rounders. For D book Donovan Mitchell, that's going to be a haul. That yeah, that that's going to be insanity to get either one of those two guys. And quite honestly, out of the three, you know, I'd go with Devin Booker, then Donovan Mitchell, and then Depot. But and I would like to have like I would like to have those guys on this team. Like I prefer to see RJ at the three. That's just me. Um, I think he's got the built to be more of a of a wing, like a strong wing, playing at the three than playing at the two. Um, but yeah, no, like I saw, like Macri brought it, uh, brought it up saying that, you know, it's, there's rumors that Depot may want out and that the Knicks could be in position to do it. And I would, I would pause to do that just because even though we'd have Depot, if we had to sign, if we got him and we signed him, he's like, he'd be 28 and we have him until he's like 32, 33. If we did sign him, if we did trade for him and then sign him um, and he would get a big contract. Uh, it would eat into cap, 
And the question is, would we be able to create a team that can compete around him within that time frame? which I don't know, I don't think so within the first year or two of that contract, definitely not. Maybe by his second year, we'd be stiffing the eighth round, seventh round, or not eighth round, but the eighth and seventh uh, spot in like the playoff, like those positions, but we wouldn't compete for like until the latter half of that contract. And it's not saying that we shouldn't trade for good players, it's the assets that we got to give up to get said good player. So if we're going to work off what Macri wrote in his newsletter on uh, August 31st, uh, this is the following trade that he proposed. And I don't think they would, I don't know if they'd take it, but it's Dennis Smith Jr., Reggie Bullock, the 27th pick and cash for Oladipo and Jeremy Lamb. Uh, the cash would be because, uh, you know, COVID, implicating some teams pacers are probably going to need some cash i know their owner is going to be pretty tight um relatively on what tight is uh but i wouldn't see like that in my if, if we're talking about doing that trading the 27th and cash for oladipo and jeremy lamb i would i would do it and uh, oh by the way live reaction it's crazy, but we're going to OT right now with the the Heat and the Bucks. So let's not OT. It's not OT, Alex. Actually, Jimmy Butler just got fouled at the buzzer, and they reviewed it by Giannis. And now Jimmy Butler is shooting two throws with zero on the clock. First one is a double bounce, and it's good. Well, there it is. There's the game. Uh, game's over. Okay. Oh, anyway, back back to what we're talking about. Um. Like, here's the thing. Here's what I'm worried about Oladipo. Well, let me just let me just finish. Like, let me just finish what I was saying because of the trade scenario. I would do that if it was Dennis Smith Jr., Reggie Bullock, 27th for Depot and Jeremy Lamb. I would do that. That's not. A, I would definitely trade all those guys to get mm-hmm. Depot and Jeremy Lamb. I like both of those players. They're both really good players. Would the Pacers actually take that? Probably not. Um, but and and. And that that would be like the sniffing point. Be like, all right, you want an eighth round pick? Uh, no thanks. I would rather, nah. I don't. I don't. I don't. Actually, no. I don't. I think no. Actually, I, w- I probably would take. I would if it was just the eighth round pick they're asking. I would trade the eighth round pick too. But I don't. I don't, like. I'm still not really like quick on training for Depot. He's just not a tips guy, man. That's what I'm worried about. He's not a tips guy. We first of all, he's injured, and we need knees, man. I feel like Tibbs is going. Is not going to get a single player that has injury prone. Because he knows, um, and he's seeing what happens, and I think he's going to be looking at character, which he all learned from the difference from Chicago to Minnesota. I think he learned that his system was the same, and he even might have knew basketball better. And his talent was—I don't want to say com- it was comparable. It was kind of similar, right? He had piece, you know, he had pieces even of Jimmy Butler come through. He had guys, but I think the attitude around the team, with which Jimmy Butler attested to. Right, because Thibodeau can't come out and talk about the attitude of the players like that. Uh, then he'll just be George Carl, and everybody hates George Carl now. Um, but if Jimmy Butler comes out and he uh, talks about the character of the team, then you listen. So I think that Oladipo definitely checks the box for character, right? And he definitely checks the box for ball player. But I don't think he's going to check the box for injuries. And I do think that that's going to be we're going. I hope at least that we're going to start having um, 
a kind of meticulous approach to who joins the squad. And it's not – it's not – it's no longer let me just get players, get players because I need to win games so I don't get fired, right? That's really how it's been. And it's really like let's just, you know, uh, wait till next year where we get these free agents and hopefully we'll make the playoffs and make a run and then entice somebody else to come here. I actually feel like we're building a squad. And I just feel like day in and day out at practice, I just feel like Depot wouldn't be – like just doesn't fit on – that like defense only like Tibbs squad. Like it just, to me, he doesn't fit. The depot's a solid defender. I'm not saying he's anything phenomenal, but I don't know. I would, I wouldn't, I wouldn't scoff at getting depot. Um, You'd have to pay him though. That's the thing. And the question is, are you willing to pay him for the assets here? You're, you're, you're getting, you're either getting a one-year rental or you got to pay him. So that's the question. You have to pay him. That, that, and that's the key. Do you want to pay this guy somewhere around, I think it's got to be like 125 plus uh, in, in salary for the next four to five years, uh, next four years, maybe five. Uh, if we try, I'm pretty sure that we could, uh, we could extend and give him the five years because then he's part of the team. Um, but if you're trading for him and you're going to sign him, like what, I don't know. Like you're guaranteeing, you're you're limiting who you want, and the question is, is that contract tradable? Does someone else want Depot? That's the that's the big concern. I don't really. I'm not necessarily worried about like his health more so. Like you take you got to take that you got to take that risk on guys with health anyway, right? Um, there's guys who are just like, look, you take look. If someone said, hey, you get Kawhi for 65 games plus playoffs, you'd be like, sign me up. If you said, or if they said, hey, you get Kawhi for 50 games plus playoffs, you'd be like, okay, sure, I'll, I'll take that. I'll take that instantaneously. And if for, if for Depot, if you got to like rest him and make sure he's healthy to go by playoffs, that's fine. The question is, are you going to pay this guy? Are you going to lock him up? How are you building around him? And, you know, if you want to bring in like a Fred Van Vliet and all these type of dudes, uh, you're limiting your, your space and then you got to pay your own guys. Like that's the, this is the issue with the Pacers right now is that they have too many guys on their books and to pay Depot would be you're paying four guys and then getting like scraps and you know the Knicks don't want to be in that situation right you want to build you want to make sure you're getting the best value out of your guys who are rookies um, you also want to cr- create a good like you want to create a good culture but I wouldn't scoff at, like trading for Depot just yet. Oh. I, mean, I, I mean, like, I don't, I like him. Like, I think he's a great player. I love watching him. Um, I was excited for him to come back for the bubble. I honestly wish that whatever was going on with Indiana, they decided Nate McMillan had to go, which you mentioned earlier. But um, I was hoping that they put up a better performance. The bonus was also hurt. So it really wasn't their fault. Um, I just, you know, Old Depot just doesn't, he doesn't move the needle for me, uh, especially with the Knicks. He's not the type of player we need, in my opinion. Uh, do you, do you see – are there any players on your radar that, are, like, you think uh, we could trade for that would be perfect for our system, like, guard-wise? Guard-wise? Like, are we, what are we talking, like, superstar? We're talking, like, free yeah, superstar? I mean, Depot, Depot is a star. I mean, Depot is probably, like, the closest and most reasonable thing, you know, if unless the team wants to wait for Mitchell after he signs and then becomes disgruntled, if that's going to happen, like that's all like you all, you hope all that happens. 
Same thing with Donovan, uh, Devin Booker um, and Phoenix. You know, you got to hope that he has to be he has to become disgruntled and want out in order to get these type of guys to trade for them. I don't necessarily see that happening um, anytime soon. Talked about last time you didn't like the Zach Levine either. The Zach Levine is I would rather sign Levine as a free agent than trade or get him with the last year of his contract than trade for him now because you have to give up something for a guy who's ranked 11th in scoring in the NBA. And they're going to like hold that over your head. And he doesn't move the needle that much to really like warrant trading that many assets to get. Um, There's not really a lot of people who I would say, let's just give up the farm to get right now. There's not really. I agree. And I, I I like, I just want us to be slow with it. I don't want to, I don't want to trade all these people for a superstar because honestly man there is no superstar in the league that's going to come in and fix the Knicks by himself literally I don't even think LeBron I honestly don't even think LeBron could walk onto the Knicks right now and fix it the way it is I really don't um if LeBron came here he'd probably get like some broken bones and all that type of stuff like that's what would happen if he came to the Knicks but like we saw he was on that pace with the Lakers with like Lonzo Ingram all those guys you know none of the guys that we're talking about raises it to that floor where you're just like, all right, we're going to be making the playoffs and nothing to worry about. You know, they like, when we look at Depot on the Pacers, that's a well-rounded team. Like that's a, like, like you can't even like, you had Bogdan who was there. You had Sabonis, you had Depot, like Jeremy Lamb is not a bad player. He's a good role player. You have Miles Turner. Like you actually have a squad for that team. And you also got, who is it? Uh, What's the, what's the brother name that we're looking at? Uh, you got one of the Grant brothers out there. Uh, I think it's Jeremy Grant. And it's like, you have like, it's a solid team. Like you, you're not, we're not talking about like scrubs. Like we're talking about a solid team and he's Depot is just like the alpha of that team because he is, he just scores. He's a good scorer. Um, yeah. But I'm, I'm with you, man. I, I just, I'm totally on board with the, but what, I mean, I guess what I was going to say is that, even if he came to the next, like even if we got deeper to the next, we still need a team. He doesn't raise that four. That's all I'm just saying with that. Like, yeah. he, like wrong. exactly. We we need that. We need the short term, uh, high finance, high profile player. And the only two that really ring a bell for me that I think would actually move the needle. Number one, number two, would it put us at a long term financial uh, risk? And three would actually change the culture of our team one I've, I've been screaming it from the rooftops and that's chris paul yeah and i knew it was coming and he's actually playing game seven right now as we speak so we'll know kind of like where he's direction if he's headed out after uh round one exit um and number two we kind of haven't talked about but he just got bounced yesterday uh mike conley you know who's also a point guard who you know who's on a high contract um doesn't really have a place. The Jazz were doing just fine without him. And then they kind of blew a 3-1 lead. They didn't do too great with him on the on the court. Um, both those guys would be somebody that I'd be willing to trade for. I don't think they'll either of them will cost a first-round pick because those teams will be uh, almost happy to get rid of the contract. I do think that OKC might be a little hesitant uh, about Chris Paul, but man, oh man, they stole Chris Paul. They got a haul for Chris Paul, like to get Chris Paul. And now they're going to get more things to get rid of him and get rid of the contract. I mean, like that, that 
if if they do ship them off to us, OKC is going to come out, maybe be the best franchise in a couple of years. So it's it's worth it for them, you know, to get more assets for that squad. For sure. Um, I don't know if Chris Paul would cost that much because I also look at OKC as a, a very stingy team when it comes to money. And if we have the cap going down, there's no way that they want to hold that. And I, there's going to be very few teams that will want to accept Chris Paul's contract. But I know there's a certain owner in New York who is willing to pay money, 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 money in James Dolan. So CP3 Mello, man, inject that into my veins for next year. I'll say, you know, like, don't throw a CP3 too far out the window. That's a, this is just in my opinion. I see, I still see that as like a realistic option for the Knicks. And I would be happy with CP, uh, you know, like. It's on the court. Shout out to Knicks Fan TV, CP, uh, for mentioning it, uh, having the, the intel. He said he, he heard a little birdie say that, uh, first of all, for, for Mike Conley, that Mike Conley and a Julius Randle trade could happen. Shout out to CP for that one. Um, I would be happy if we got Mike Conley. Um, and Mike Conley is like the true four general. Uh, it took a while for him to get there. He had to develop like five years. And I'm always saying this because this is just to the side to the Frank Frank haters out there who are like just hating on Frank. It takes time for a guy to develop. I'm not going to go into a rant. This is another day, another time. But Mike Connelly was another guy who needed time to develop. I would be happy with him, especially for I think he has like one year on his deal, right? He has um, he has his one year left. So yeah, One year left. Uh, we could – I think we could – easily match that with Randall and another contract and give some, or give some cash in return to get as close. Um, actually, let's see, 18. No, we'd have to give up Randall. And wants Randall back. Huh? Utah. Utah would probably have to take Randall in this deal. Mm, okay. You think they want him back in that deal? You think that fits them? Uh, yeah, I think that, I think it does because as we saw yesterday, besides Rudy Gobert, they didn't really have post scoring. Um, and, you know, as much as we get on Julius Randle, uh, the man who has blocked me on Twitter. Uh, oh, no. You say something about his spin move? Always about the spin moves, man. Always about the spin moves. Um, Look, man, you can't be doing it from Kentucky and just like everyone knows about it. All right. It's your go-to move. Fine. But your go-to move can't be your go-to move 90% of the time. That's just ridiculous. Um but no, you have to trade him because the contract's the closest thing that matches with his 18. Connolly's got... For the next season, he's got 34. And then we'd have to throw in another player, probably maybe like a Knox. Like Kevin Knox would probably have to go in that deal and maybe Bullock or just – or throw some cash in there to even it out. Um, huh? Seems like a lot. Knox, Randall, and some cash? I don't think that's a lot. And we tra- and we swap picks or we get or we get or, or we get a pick in return. Not swap picks, but we get a pick. For the – like I, I don't, I just don't think that the Knicks are going to be a poverty franchise anymore when they show up to the negotiation table. I just, I, I know that like we have to like beg for players, but it's really going to be the opposite. The Jazz are like, hey, we have this player who's who's on the max contract. He's not going to sign, and we would like to get that money off the books. And the, but this is where this is where it also comes in that we would get their pick as well, and they're in the teens, so we'd probably like swap like the twenty seventh, which is the Clippers, for them, and. You know, they're probably a little higher up at this point now. Um, On that note, I don't think we're going to draft the three picks this year. So no, I, that's why, I at least trade one of them. That's why when CP broke this, it actually makes sense that they would take a guy who can actually score in the paint off the bench, you know, 
put him in there because uh, Connolly didn't work out for them for most of the season. They just need to get – they probably want to reduce the cost. They're a small market. They also probably don't want that contract on their books as well for one more season considering we don't know what Kobe's going to do. And then if we can just swap the 27th with whatever their pick is, um, yeah, that's just – that's you know, that works. Uh, so I guess – I guess the last question I have for you is, do you want or see any of the two Philly stars coming? Well, Philly has three ridiculous contracts, right? And Embiid, Simmons, and Harris. And obviously, they're going to blow it up. They got four. The fourth. Four contracts are Simmons, Embiid, Harris, and Al Horford. Oh, right. I forgot about Horford because he's very insignificant on the court. (laughs) Like I completely, he like I don't I guess like shout out to Brad Stevens because when Al Horford is on the Celtics, he was literally the X factor. Oh, he was. And he goes to Philly. I I can I. He's terrible on that team. Dude, it's because they were actually able to leave him open on the Celtics because he had a lot of guard action and other shooters that could help. Um, when one of your players just is reluctant to shoot. That changes. I wonder if this is the one thing that I'll say on the side. Imagine if uh, Ben Simmons starts shooting next season and he did this just because he hated Brett Brown. That'd be that'd be low key dirty. I'd I'd be upset. I'd be upset. <laughs> take. I think Ben Simmons can shoot. You think he? You think he can't? I think he can. Oh, I think he. I he just needs to do it. I, I think he just chooses not to. Yeah, I think he, I think Ben Simmons can shoot. I don't know if that's a hot take or not, but I don't want any like. Watching Embiid run down the floor, like, my personal meniscus hurts. Like, I get cramps watching him, like, struggle up and down the feet, like, up and down the court. Like, I just don't want Embiid. I would love a Simmons, honestly. Um, he would be perfect for what I am looking for, for what I think the Knicks need. He's a, definitely a Thibodeau guy, who a point guard who doesn't shoot, who creates, who plays defense, and is tall. I mean, like, that is a Thibodeau guy if he could draw him up. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, honestly, like I would give the bag for Simmons to be hundred percent honest. Uh, you, I mean, if look, if we're talking about getting either Embiid or Simmons, I, I would. But just in general, I would give the bag up for Simmons. Yeah, I would trade for Simmons too. Like I know that you know the thing with Simmons is like you know you have him for such a long time, which is like, all right, if you tell me we got to trade up like four first rounders to get this dude, and I'd be like, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Um, like, that's not even a question, but he's not even on the table. He's not even on the table. You know the next coach is going to be like, well, El- uh, Elton Brand has one, more he has one more year to get this thing going. He definitely wants to get a new coach in to see what they can do uh, before that even has to be blown up. And if it is blown up, it's I, I don't know who it's going to be, man, on that team. I, it'd probably be like, I don't know. Wait, going to go say that. Huh? Beat is a headache. Yeah, but like he's good, man. He's really good. He's a dominant center. You put some shooting around him, that's it's over. But that's it for me. I mean, honestly, like when it comes down to it, I would love to take a a a, a, a risk on Chris Paul. I think Chris Paul would pay the highest dividends for us. I think that uh, Conley would be a great asset for us, uh, and I I, th- I would give the bag up for obviously Booker or Simmons. Um, that's no question, but I guess I'll give you, uh, the last, uh, kind of just throw at you. I kind of want to see what your reaction is. If DeMar DeRozan, uh, opts out. No, 
Beal. No, okay. Because no. like, because honestly, I don't think that DeMar DeRozan and Oladipo are that far off. So to me, like if you would trade for Oladipo, but you wouldn't sign DeMar DeRozan, then you don't want Oladipo. You know what I'm saying? So, okay. Let's, uh, how, how should, how should we, uh, so I would take Depot just because of his age. What is DeRozan right now? DeMar is, uh, how old is DeMar DeRozan? DeMar DeRozan is 31. He's at the tail end of his career. How long are we taking DeMar DeRozan on for? Are we, are we taking it for like one year, two years, three years? Like I would expect him. He wants some years. Old Depot's 28. You're going to tell me one guy is like a, a, a youthful spring coming off a surgery and then another guy is too old? At the guard position, absolutely. 28 like twenty-eight and 31 are two different things. Like DeMar is not a good three-point shooter. Oladipo is a better three-point shooter. DeMar is a good mid-range shooter. Like, and I'm not saying the mid-range is dead, but you need to have a better versatile, like well-rounded game if you want to be like successful. That's what – like, look, Raptors traded him. They traded him for Kawhi. It wasn't going to be Lowry. They needed the point guard. They they they, they recognize that. Um, sorry, it sounds like there's some technical difficulties in the back. Things are just falling and dropping over the place. Sounds like there's an earthquake. No, I'm just kidding. It's just it's just my loved one dropping everything over the place. Um, but you know, with uh, what is it with with DeRozan? Like he's not a three point shooter. Like he has improved. But Depot is a three point shooter. Depot can attack everywhere that you want, and he's 28. Like, I would rather take him coming off the injury and paying him for his four years rather than bringing on DeMar DeRozan for what? It depends on how long we want to keep him for. Like, if we're talking, like, two years, like, on a short deal, if he opts out, sure. But he's not going to want that. He's 31. He wants to get – he wants to secure more money for the last tail end of his career. He wants to get three, four years, and, you know, you're going to have to pay him to get him. So it's just a no. I would not do that. Um that's how I feel. Um, but please, I would gladly take CP3, though. You, like, we're, game right now is 38-38, about eight minutes left in the second quarter. Like, Chris Paul is a demon, man. He would get this team together, shape it up. But, yeah. But that's it for, you know, our next portion of this podcast. So let's move on to the et cetera. So, John, what do we got for et cetera today? Well, man, I guess we couldn't really help it halfway through this pod. Uh, if you've made it through, you heard us uh, freaking out because the Bucks heat game ended um, on a foul for Butler, and the Heat are up 2-0. Honestly, man, I, I, I won't really get into it because, Alex, I, it was hard for us to pay attention. But I was kind of, you know, just looking at the replay. You just don't give that foul, especially because they went to the replay and they went to the refs and they had some time to think about it, you just don't give that foul for game two of this playoffs. You know, it's round two. It's the first-seeded Bucks. They're about to go down 2-0 if you give them this foul. Just let the play overtime, man. Even if it's by the book a foul because you didn't let Jimmy Butler, you know, fully land. Like, just – you don't call that, man. I, I totally agree. There's, like – the refs have been somewhat egregious <laughs> – it, for some of these playoff games, like giving way too many fouls. Um, actually, the last good one was the Rockets Thunder one, which was like, you know, there was not a lot of foul calls. A lot of guys just playing through contact and everything. Like, yeah, Chris Paul like slapping uh, butts. You had uh, you had him staring down Harden and Westbrook. Like that was a good game. Rest were like letting it go. 
when the when the emotions ride and just like the competition like really flare up but that was just terrible man you let that you don't you don't blow that whistle um maybe you do that during the regular season maybe not but not during the playoffs man there's playoff fouls right isn't that where you're what we're used to is playoff fouls but heat are good man heat are really good like they're they're insanely good like it's not like we didn't see this like during the regular season but they are on fire yeah so by the time this pod comes out your ear will probably be talked off about this uh heat's buck series so it's friday right now and it's game three bucks heat who you got taking game three alex oh miami heat you got the heat going up 3-0 yeah oh man okay uh i do not see that happening folks you better hit that Milwaukee money line so hard next week. Don't get fooled by the spread. It's probably going to be really high for the Bucks. But, oh, man, oh, man, Giannis has to win this game. Coach Boot has to win this game. Like, they have to win this game. Uh, and they'll go down 2-1, and then we'll see what happens after that. That's that's my take on it. Yeah, actually, no, you know what? Now that you said it, I don't even think about the money line. I just think they got to make it, like, competitive. And I think the Bucks are going to show up for that. It's not like this game wasn't competitive. They were right there. But I think the Bucs are going to come back pretty hard. This is my issue with the Bucs, though, is that they're really – they're so system, it's ridiculous. Like, you just know – if when Giannis is on the court, it's he's going to attack the lane. And if he's not attacking the lane, there's going to be some three-point shots. And if it's not – or vice versa, they got to get the three-point shots going, and then Giannis has got to attack the lane. And then when he's off, you know, you let Middleton, you let Bledsoe, you let – hill like they all run the offense and it's very like it's very diverse but no one's really like a true true killer like the heat are killers man bam Adebayo is a killer jimmy butler is like a mercenary and you got you got kendrick nunn who's just like showing up and just like yo i got this and then you also have tyler here who's playing well you got duncan robinson who's just a lights out shooter iguodala is meh but he brings you that experience i heard today he land yeah he uh we got hurt. Uh, Corver kind of stuck out his foot, um, which I'll, I kind of want to hit on. Corver kind of stuck out his foot um, under Iguodala on a corner three, and he landed weird. Corver um, got a flagrant one for it, and this is really interesting, man. So okay, so Iguodala had because of the Zaza Pachulia rule, uh, Iguodala has to shoot the free throws, right? You can't sub him out. But it's so interesting, man, because. For a good five to seven minutes in this game and leading up to that Iggy foul, the Bucks' strategy was just, r- like, legit sprint at the, like, at the heat shooters while they're hitting three and hit them. Like, they were being so physical with them on the three-point line. And I legit think their strategy was, like, we're just going to hit you. Like, let them call a foul, like, shoot the free throws. But, like, it's scary getting hit when you're shooting a three. You know what I mean? Like you don't want those free throws. And like, I think like the bucks were being super aggressive with them and it ended with the Iguodala injury. And then it kind of like slowed down from there. Um, but it was a really physical game. And I think that honestly, I think the bucks are going to completely out physical the heat next game. Yeah. I just see Giannis like now that like I can actually see the bucks, like I'm actually leaning more towards Bucks, like taking the next thing. I don't see that. I, I I actually take it back. It's not the Heat, just because if they go up three zero, that means Bucks win one game, and uh, Yon, like Giannis's legacy, man, that's just crazy. If you let to go that high, and it's just crazy for the Bucks. But here's the other thing, like, and, and this is why I'll go with you for the Bucks winning game three. 
but I wouldn't be shocked if the Heat did it because it reminds me of when Budenholzer was back in Atlanta and the Hawks were number one that year, were number one one year. I forget what year it was. And yeah, with Corver, with Jeff Teague, with Millsap, all those dudes. And they were so system. They were, they wake, we called him the East Coast Spurs for a reason. I mean, Budenholzer is from the Popovich tree. So it's not shocking. Budenholzer is doing the same thing with Milwaukee. He's creating a system. But the issue with Budenholzer, and this is the only thing I get, is that he creates a system where the team can't operate without that system. And then it's just kind of like, oh, like everyone kind of shuts down, you know, and you can't necessarily run a team like that. You have to be so flexible. You got to be water. You got to be able to go with the flow. You got to go like be malleable, man. Like that's, it is, that's, that's just what it is. And I'm just not shocked seeing this from the Bucks. Like year two, people just figured it out. Um, Little Bruce Lee, be like the water. Yeah. I like it. So, okay. So do you, do you think that's going to go the distance? Like six or seven? Or do you think it's going to be earlier? Uh, you, don't, you don't have to give a full prediction now. I'll give you the graces of game three. But do you think it's going to go six and seven? Or do you think it's going to be earlier, like four or five? It has to go six. Okay, six. Okay. All right. Well, we'll, we'll reconvene next week, which the series is going to look way different by the time we re-record for the Knicks. Um, but maybe we'll touch on it at the end of the Jets episode. Sure. Um, the second series I want to ask you about is the Raptors Celtics, man. The Celtics have been looking good. Marcus Mott looking pretty good out there. Honestly, I, I don't think I'm not shocked at all. I told you um, that Boston is better without Gordon Hayward in the lineup. The stats say Boston is better with Marcus Smart in the lineup. Um, and they've been holding it down. I'm mostly surprised about their bench guys that have really been holding it down um, in this series. Like uh, Maker? <laughs> yeah, like Wadamaker was not good in the first round. Uh, no. So he's really stepping it up. Um, what do you think about that series, man? Uh, Celtics are really good. I see them beating the Raptors, in all honesty. Um, the Celtics are a really good team. I had them as a dark horse just because Tatum just took that he took, it, he took it up to another level, and so did Jalen Brown. Both those guys took it up a level this season, and it was just so noticeable. I just remember watching that Clippers series, and it was just like those two teams going at it. It's just like they're mirror images of each other, and Tatum and Brown are just – they're just close on top of one. When Kemba Walker's healthy and just like on the court and can orchestrate that offense, it's just – it's totally different, man. Then you have Marcus Smart, key – like he's a key gamer, man. He's a true X factor. Like you're going to get – awesome defense from him and then like you saw what he was doing he shot four from three in the first half but then he hits was it like four for five or five for six in the second second half and it's just like that that type those type of guys just swing games and that's that's where the analytics just gets thrown out the window you're just like this is where numbers can't figure this out playoff basketball is totally different um you know the Celtics are a really good team I see them beating the Raptors they're like I had them like I I actually had them like before we even thought about this podcast uh, I had them going to the Eastern Conference Finals and either seeing uh, the Bucks or the Heat. Like, sure, yeah. I mean, uh, personally, I have I have a couple. I have uh, three futures on the Eastern Conference: uh, Heat, Celtics, and Raptors. So that's looking okay as long as Milwaukee doesn't advance. Um, but I don't know, man. I, I think you're kind of I think you're kind of a uh, prisoner of the moment in that series. I think that. 
the Raptors are going to turn it up really hard. I, I, I think that the Celtics can't match the Raptors' uh, inside presence. Um, they did definitely have some hustle plays here and there, but um, which really like changed the whole momentum and shift of the game. And they happen sporadically. And that's what Marcus Smart brings to the table, yes. But it's not sustainable. Um, also, the Raptors were shooting pu- like putridly. Like, I don't even know if that's a word, but like it was the worst thing I've ever seen. The Raptors could not hit a shot. And I just think that Spicy P is going to come up. Okay, I think that uh, Marcus All, even though he's a 1,000, he's going to be able to uh, do something except for set – bad screens that turn into fouls and screaming at the ref. I think he'll is going to be able to put something together. Shout out to Brad Stevens though. Like that's why the Raptors are doing bad because he knows that he has a disadvantage in the low post and he's making it a guard game. I just think that the Raptors are going to uh, be able to play Raptors basketball next game. Nah, I, I, like, so I, I could see like the Raptors getting a game back or two, but I think the Celtics are going to win just because it's, this the game itself has become more around the wings, right? Wing players are so key. And as much as like Gordon Hayward's been playing well during uh, this bubble, um, he's not necessarily good, as you pointed out, when he's in the lineup. He's be- like, they're better when he's off and you're bringing like someone like Marcus Smart to even it out. But they have three wings that are just tough to defend with Gordon Hayward, Jason Tatum, and Jalen Brown. And yeah, Daniel Tice is a good defender. You know, you have Ennis Cantor, who's good offensively. And then you have Brad Wanamaker, who is, I almost thought he hurt himself with that, with that dunk that he had that nice putback. I was like, he just slipped. I was like, Oh man, like he's playing well. Don't, don't hurt yourself, man. Just, just cool it. Cool it. But uh, no, I think like they're, they're a tough matchup wing wise. Like OG Ananobi is not there yet to be key. If OG took that next step to play with Pascal like that, I would, I would be on that train with you. But Tatum's just tough tough to stop, man. And Jalen Brown, that's another tough dude as well. And Kemba can just shoot. And Kemba, like, cardiac Kemba's clutch. Like, it's, uh, man. Quiet, in a quiet gym, I just feel like he's oh, gonna, yeah, I agree he's going to be cardiac Kemba. But I don't know. I I think this is going seven, and I could see it being Raptors in seven. Mm, if it goes seven, I see it Celtics personally. But I think I just think again, this is going to be a long, um, a really long series. I can get with that. So, I guess the last thing I'll touch on for now, um, oh, could be we'll talk about just like the games that are set. The Nuggets last night had a crazy game seven with the Utah. We talked about it. Uh, Johnny Bryant's on the Knicks now. Uh, Donovan Mitchell. Like We talked about all that. But the Nuggets, man, we really didn't talk about the Nuggets. The Joker, I feel like the Joker is everything you want, man. Everything that you, you talk about when you were talking about KP, like everything you want in KP, that's the Joker. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, I, I love the Nuggets. I am so excited for the Nuggets Clippers series. What do you got in the Nuggets Clippers series, man? Oh, so I don't see the Nuggets being able to keep up with the Clippers just because Kawhi. Um, I think that goes six mm-hmm. or seven. Um, but the Clippers are going to be tough, man. Uh, the question is, like, how is Paul George going to be playing? Jamal Murray really stepped up, really stepped up. Like, he played out of his mind, and it's nice to see him playing out of his mind. I don't know if this is, like, a, like a product of, as you already mentioned, like a quiet gym. Um, but you know, 
Nuggets were, they went to the second round last year. They lost to the Trailblazers before the Trailblazers got murdered by the Warriors. So the Nuggets are so close um, to being like a really, 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 really good team where they're going to like, it's only a matter of time before they're knocking on the door of like, make it to the NBA finals, if they can keep this team together. Um, but I just don't see it this year. I just see it as the Clippers. Like Kawhi is just such a different maker. He, he just, Kawhi is like the ultimate man that just knows how to get to a spot at his time, at his pace. And it's like, what the hell, man? Like I'm right here. And you're just like, you're like pretty much doing anything you want. And you can't stop it. But for that team, it's really a question of like, is PG 13 good? Like that's, that's the major question, but it's going to be a good six, seven game series. I think that's that, that series is going to be very interesting. I'm, I want to see what uh, Jamal Murray does. How, what are you feeling about it though? I mean, as much like, to be honest with you, the Joker is one of my personal favorite players in the NBA, just because I love his game. I think he's one of the most underrated players. So I, I love the nuggets. Jamal Murray's a beast. Um, they got, they got good guys. Um, our boy Gallo's out there, like, you know, hanging out. I think he might. Ella. He's on Thunder, bro. We're not talking about Thunder. I'm talking about Denver. I know, but you said Gallo. Oh, right, right, right. Oh, I'm talking about the old. Sorry, I thought the, the old, the old Gallo. Uh, but anyway, they, yeah, that was a mind fart. Um, but anyway, I mean, I, lo- I really do like Denver. I just see this going Clippers in five. I just don't. I, I, I they were washed out after this series, even though it was a great one. Um, and that last play, I just have to touch on it. That was the dumbest thing I have ever seen an NBA team actually do on the court. Dude, that game. That was my school team when I, or my college team that I coached. I would be going absolutely bananas if we got the rebound with six seconds left up to and we're running a transition fast break. I would literally go insane. <laughs> <laughs> like, what is happening? Like, I, I would call timeout. I would actually call timeout. Like, if they're running a transition and, like, I see them about to go, especially because there's guys over there, and they're, and they're about to shoot it, they're about to give away possession with, with like, five seconds left, I would, I would call timeout. That was the most egregious thing I've ever seen. No. I had the nuggets. I almost, like, a, like a, a percent of me wanted that shot to go in. Yeah. I, I agree. I really wanted to see, uh, you know, I was rooting for the nuggets just because – I don't know. I like both those. Both, both those teams are cool. Um, I think it was just crazy that I wanted to see another 3-1 comeback, and uh, the Nuggets did it, man. They were down 3-1. They came back. Um, yeah, I, th- I think a gentleman, a gentleman sweep is in order for the Nuggets. Get one. Clippers in five. Yeah, Clippers are just good, man. They're just really, really good. Um, we all want to see – and, like, you know the NBA, like, wants to make its money and – the best way to make its money if you give us what we want, which is Clippers, Lakers, man. That's the battle we want. That's going seven. That's going seven. Because Lakers are going to thrash. going to sweep whoever comes out of this game right here. It's uh, it's not even going to be close. Maybe maybe they get the jet. They will probably also give the – it's like, yeah, we won't let you go out, you know, too bad. Um, I don't know. I think they would. I think, I think they're going to sweep. And I think playoff Rondo's coming back. So watch out for that guy. Here we go. Um, but yeah, man, that's really it. That's really it for the NBA bubble. It's been really good. Um, I'll say this about the Nuggets, uh, Nuggets uh, jazz game. 
That was a score of a college game, though. That was way too low. It felt nice, though. It felt good. And like a 90s NBA game. Yeah, Rudy Gobert sucked and then came out of a – came out, took some Michael Jordan secret stuff and came out like a man. Just like, ah! A fun game to watch. Um, For futures, the only thing I would say is Clippers in five is plus 225. Bet 100, get 225. That's pretty nice. And the Raptors to win this series right now is plus 400. Drop 100 and make 400. I'll probably be hitting those. Those are those are those are some two pretty good future bets, and uh, keep your eyes uh, on the prize for the NBA bubble. Oh my God! All right, uh, I guess that's it for the et cetera, right? So, I mean, I don't want to talk about the Yankees right now, man. They are actually like hurting my actual soul. Yesterday was ridiculous. I can't believe that. Boone got suspended for Chapman, maybe, possibly, likely throwing at the guy's head, uh, 101 miles per hour. But uh, the, I mean, I mean, Cash, the skipper for Tampa, literally said that he intentionally threw the ball at Romine's head a couple of years ago. Like he said that in the interview, not speculation. And he got the same amount of suspension as Aaron Boone. None of it makes sense. And to top it all off. I really thought that today, man, today was such a big game. It's the last time we're playing Tampa. We're going to be either two and a half games out or very, very likely four and a half games out. So the division is going to be really tough to take, man. And, I mean, luckily, MLB has expanded playoffs, so we're going to get into the playoffs, but it's not looking good. And probably not great that we put out Jordan Montgomery, who has literally the league's worst exit velocity. Like, in one of our biggest games. Like, that's who we started. Gave up four runs in the first. Not great. We just need our guys to get healthy. That's all I could say for the Yankees. And I also like how I baited you into talking about the Yankees. When you're just like, no, I don't want to talk about the Yankees, but I need to get this all off my chest. I don't want to talk about them, but, I'm, but yo, Debbie Garcia. Do your again. <laughs> right? J- Cole better get it together. Hap saved our life. We need to call up Schmidt. Jordan Montgomery, get off my team. <laughs> Zach Britton is back because Chapman is suspended. We have the Mets. Uh, yo, we have like so many games coming. Luke Voigt is like limping around and he's our only offensive bat. They're throwing at DJ. Things are not looking good for the Yankees, man. And and I need them. I need them right now in my life to be positive. I know. It's the only team that we can root for that's actually good. So um, at least we're making the playoffs. At least that's one team that we know is going to be, be making the playoffs. So uh, that's the only thing we can say about that. As it, as it looks right now, unless we get it together. Well, I, I do have hope. Our bullpen was supposed to be our best asset. is absolute, absolute trash. So we need to fix something. All right. Sounds good. Now that I baited John into just ranting about the Yankees for the last uh, couple of minutes, I guess this is a good place to cut it off for our uh, Knicks episode of the Knicks, Jets, etc. podcast. Thank you all for tuning in. And oh, Houston. Huh? Here, Houston. I, oh. want, I want OKC to win. All right, good. I got OKC, too. I don't know if it's going to happen. They're down four at halftime, but I want OKC as well. Same, but back to it. Thank you again. Thank you for tuning in. Please make sure to share, like, and subscribe. Give us a rating. Um, let us know what you think. And, yeah, I hope we hope to have you back next week and we'll be talking about the Jets. And that one, we're going to be covering, what, Jets-Bills? Is that what we're doing? Bills, man. It's officially the week before the week, man. It's football season. Let's go. We got fantasy. We got Jets. 
we're ready to go. We got some futures we're going to be able to put in. Next week's a big week, baby. Football's back. Football's back. All right. So thank you all again. Catch you on the flip side. Ricey, send us out. Let's go, Knicks.